I'm going to bless you as, as we start. You don't have to receive this blessing, but I, I think it's a great idea. Start off by blessing. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your spirit. I bless you to receive the guidance and help from God even during this time while we're together. That he would be speaking and guiding you. I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're, you're facing right now. And I bless you to feel hope, to feel joy, to feel peace, to feel loved, whatever your circumstances. I bless you with that now in the name of Jesus. May it be. May it be. Amen. All right. Welcome back to our study entitled The Bible Land and Biblical Faith. Today we're going to learn about a part of the land called the Galilee. And no, that is not a mistake. It is called the Galilee. The Galilee. It sounds annoying coming out of my mouth, but that's what it's called. The Galilee. Uh, it takes place far to the north, this, this area here on the map. It's a long ways away from Jerusalem for sure. Uh, but it, it's also just a land that just feels separated. We talked two weeks ago about the Jezreel Valley, this massive valley that slices through the land east to west, how very often it's controlled by the enemies. And so there's, there's this like very clear division often throughout the history of the land where the Galilee just was separate. It was, it was disconnected from the, the, the southern uh, areas, the main, the heartland uh, of the land. So you've got these, these uh, tr main tribes up there in this bit. Uh, Asher, we're not talking about that area, but they're up against the coast. Dan, we're not really talking about that area. It's up at the, maybe the top uh, right corner of the red box area. The land of the land that we're talking about, the Galilee, is primarily the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, our focus for today. Very, very, very much rarely mentioned in the Old Testament. It's, it's amazing. You have this massive lake there, hardly ever mentioned, uh, if ever. So uh, a little bit more high-res map as we zoom in on our area here. Thank you guys from Biblical Backgrounds for this map. The red box is the area we're looking at, and it basically has three areas in it. There is the Sea of Galilee, which is down in the Rift Valley. The, the Rift Valley is still coming up through here. And so you go down, and you go to the Sea of Galilee. Then you've got Upper Galilee and Northern Ga uh, Upper Galilee and Lower Galilee. What's the opposite? Upper Galilee and Lower Galilee. And the red circle bit around the word Galilee, that's basically the dividing line between the two. Upper is at the top bit of the map because its elevation is higher. Lower Galilee has a lower elevation, but it's is lower also on the map. So you've got these, these three uh, regions in the Galilee. Um, some pictures. Uh, let's start with the Upper Galilee. So the Upper Galilee is a little bit more rugged. And again, it basically goes completely unmentioned in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. It's just not talked about. Um, it's, it has vineyards up there. It has lots of trees. We're very close to Lebanon. We're on the border of Lebanon. You've got the famed cedars of Lebanon in the Bible. It does have uh, forests and all that sort of stuff up there. The word Galilee, a lot of the regions are named like Shephila, like uh, foothills or Negev, dry. Uh, the, Gal the word Galilee means like 
circle or ring. Think like ring road around a, a, a city. It's, it's, the outer, it's the fringe. It's the fringe area. The, the, outer, the outer fringe of the nation out there. The Galilee. The, the fringe area. Okay, back to the map for a second. Lower Galilee. Um, this is kind of what I imagined if I was putting an eyeliner on somebody, how it would end up looking. But you've got these... <laughs> purple and green uh, swashes, I guess, through here. What they're supposed to be is the purple is supposed to be ridges and the green is supposed to be valleys. And you're supposed to see that in the lowlands, there's a series, of, it's a little bit like the highlands where there's, it's like a comb has been raked through the land. And you've got these beautiful valleys along with this series of four ridges. Okay, sorry about that. I'll, I'll work on my maps for the future. Anyways, oh, is there going to be maps in the future? No promises. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so we've got, we've got that in the, the pictures of the, the lower uh, Galilee here. Uh, so you've got, again, much more beautiful valleys. Uh, yeah, beautiful orchards and, and uh, very prosperous farming land. Again, lower Galilee is barely mentioned. Upper Galilee is not really mentioned. Lower Galilee is barely mentioned in the Old Testament. You basically have two stories. The first one... Uh, not in any order, I guess, is the king of Assyria in 722 B.C. when he comes into the land to invade, it talks about how he just stomps all over lower Galilee. He just stomps it. Like, he just crushes it. That's, that's one mention of the Galilee. The other one is King Solomon uh, gave away 20 cities of the Gal 20 towns of the Galilee to King Hire of Tyre. Uh, of Tyre. So, King Hiram. And King Hiram comes and he looks at these and he's like, these are worthless. So he names them worthless. That's kind of our two Old Testament major messages, our major stories connected to the Galilee, the lower Galilee, this fringe area un given away, considered worthless by all, all, all the kings. So that's, that's a good start, right? Old Testament there. The prophet Isaiah writes about the Galilee, actually. And he, he, he writes about this region that's connected to the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali in a, in a pretty famous chapter that you're probably familiar with, chapter 9. And he writes these words, the prophet Isaiah. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land, that's one of his titles for the Galilee, the distressed land. It's just the title. The gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. He describes the Galilee as the land of darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Wow, those are the Old Testament title like, attributions for what is this land. It's the land of the distressed land. It's the land of darkness, the Galilee. Isaiah is writing at the exact period of time. He lives at the same moment where it is being stomped currently by the king of Assyria, where he's stomping it, and yet he's talking about Jesus, the light of the world coming. As 750 years or so in, in the future, and that, that great light of, of this, this, of Jesus walking through Galilee and bringing hope to this unimportant seeming fringe. 
Now, I know that we read these words from Isaiah chapter 9 every Christmas because although Galilee is basically ignored in the Old Testament, it becomes the focal point of hope in the New Testament. It becomes the focal point of hope in the New Testament. You've got this Jesus of Galilee. Jesus of, of Nazareth, which is in lower Galilee. He steps forward and he, steps, he starts healing the sick who are in the land of darkness. He starts, he starts uh, speaking words of hope about the kingdom of God. He, he, he starts doing miracles after miracles, turning water into wine and, and doing all sorts of things, bringing hope and bringing light to the land of darkness. It's, the, it's this land of Galilee, the land of darkness, the land of distress, where Jesus anchors the vast majority of his ministry in his time on earth. Some of the, some of the areas connected to the life of Jesus uh, in Galilee or the Galilee, first there's Nazareth. Here's a picture, a couple pictures here and where it's at on the map. Uh, Nazareth, a big city today because it kind of has this famous person from the past connected to it. But uh, in Jesus' day, it was very small. It was about 200 people. Uh, 200 people. Nobody else wanted to live there except for these 200 people because it was a group of ancestors of David who were kind of punks. And they returned together from the land of, of Babylon between the Old and New Testament. And they were just vocal. The Messiah is going to come from us. Now, they were right. But it's one thing to be right, but also to not be kind. I, I mean, they were just punks, and nobody liked it. In fact, everybody, so nobody moved into this town. It was just a very small, felt like a cult group of people there. In, in Nazareth, you have Na Nathaniel of the New Testament saying, you know, about Jesus from Nazareth. Can anything good come from there, right? Like, it's just, from, A, it's Galilee. B, it's, it's Nazareth of all places. And, uh, and again, uh, such awful words to be spoken over a place. This is the land of darkness. This is the, this is, can anything, nothing good can come from this land or for this, from this town. And, I, and you know, I'm, I'm struck even just, I, I made some notes this morning uh, on the side of my notes here. Just like, I wonder if some of that is your, your story, that people have spoken over you. Can anything good come from you? Can anything good come from you? And, and if that's been spoken, that, is, that needs to be bro broken. That's not true. That's not true. You give your life to Jesus, you are filled with the powerful spirit of the living God, the words of truth, the, the words of life. You, you can bring the kingdom of God in any context and situations. You can see breakthrough in people's lives. You have God's spirit within you. If you've ever heard that, I just break that off in the name of Jesus. That is a lie and that is not true. That's evil that has ever been spoken over you. You have God's spirit. That's free. Anyways, m moving on, that's, we'll get back to the notes here. So you got Nazareth there up, up on the ridge. Uh, base, there we go. Uh, what else we got? We got Cana, Cana of Galilee, the location of Jesus' first miracle. Beautiful, beautiful uh, valley here. You've got, uh, in the, you can't hardly see it on the top one. There's a lighter green area. It's actually a hill that's sticking out a bit from the, the ridge in the background. Uh, you can see it better on, this, on this, this, the other picture down below. But you've got this, this beautiful hill here. Uh, it's clearly a well-to-do farming community with a strong uh, Bible, uh, conservative Bible 
uh, value and, and thought here. So you've got this Cain of Galilee. It's the location where Jesus does his first miracle, where he turns the water into wine, and where the Bible says it's where he revealed his glory. A hardworking area. And, and that's, that's Galilee, a hardworking area full of people who are taking their Bible very seriously. And, and you know, if, you're in, if you ever find yourself in the land of darkness, guys, it's a great place to start. Let's just start getting back to work and, and taking the Bible pretty seriously. We'll get, Jesus is coming, and, and that's, that's going to happen. But, but a, good, a good, fertile environment for God's breakthrough in, in their city and in their life. First miracle, Cana. Okay, moving uh, on in the Galilee area, we've got, uh, Ca- we've got Cana. Now we're at the Sea of Galilee. This is the area called Magdala. Magdala. It's a newly discovered uh, town. Uh, so they thought they knew where Magdala was. They were wrong, but they were digging a car park or they were going to build a hotel or something like that. And they were like, hey, what is this? Oh, it's Magdala. Uh, and, and, and we discovered it right on the sea. Uh, some things about Magdala, super rich. And super uh, conservative, religiously uh, conservative in, in that time. How do you know it's rich? Because that bottom picture, that says it all. It's got a mikvah. It has a baptism tank on the Sea of Galilee. Th- there was a person writing his PhD about they will never discover a mikvah along the Sea of Galilee because that is so ridiculous that anybody would pay to have a mikvah when the sea is right there, right along the sea, mikvah. And, and, and it's like, PhD, you know, <laughs> writing the paper. Some of you can be like, oh, that would be fun. Please, nobody discover anything that contradicts my thesis statements. Yes, exactly. So, may it be. Uh, so, you've got a mikvah here, very rich town, amazing rich synagogue. You can see the remains, they've got the paint still on some of it, an, an amazing situation. There's a woman from here in the Bible, famous woman, uh, Mary from Magdala, uh, Mary Magdalene. And she, apparently, seven demons are cast from her, and she becomes a, uh, a follower of Jesus, uh, first to see her risen from the dead, probably a, a rich girl, but demonized, and yet set free by Jesus. So that's right here from Magdala. The, the uh, other town I want to mention is Capernaum. I'm sure that you're familiar with it. This becomes Jesus' adopted town, his, his adopted hometown. He moves there after he's rejected by Nazareth. Um, as I said, those guys are punks. The, the top picture there, you can see the synagogue in the background. The largest synagogue discovered outside of Jerusalem in that area. Uh, a very much a major religious center for teaching of the Bible here in Capernaum. Jesus is teaching there in that synagogue. He is uh, healing in that synagogue, much to people's unhappiness. And yet happiness, depending on what side you were on the, on the healing. So you've got that going on. That spaceship octagon-looking thing on that top picture, that's covering um, Peter's house. That's Peter's, um, Peter's house, and it probably was Peter's house. I, I, sometimes I'm skeptical. It's like, really, of all the ruins around here, you're saying that's Peter's house. But clearly, it, it's always, I mean, anybody else jaded that way with archaeology? But in, that, in this case, it probably was because you, can, you, can, you know from the very beginning, it seems like there was a Christian worship gathering taking place in that house a, as it continued to grow and, and expand. So you have Peter's house there on, on the shore. Um, yeah, a, again, you've got these, uh, you've got this area of deep faith in God connected to the land, connected to the sea, connected to the land. Uh, just the context of, of, the Gal- of the Galilee. Okay, friends, sad news. This is going to be our, our, last, 
our last uh, study here when it comes to our study of the Bible land and, and biblical faith. And yet it's appropriate that we wrap this up. I know I heard that groaning. <laughs> amen, amen. Please, more maps in our future. Why not? Um, it's very appropriate that we do wrap this up by thinking about Jesus and, and, and the life of Jesus and that our faith lesson today is going to be about Jesus. And more specifically, Jesus coming to people with darkness in their past. People, Jesus coming to a people where, where they, they had just difficulties and, and rubbish and, yeah, but darkness in, your, in their past. And the, all we know about the Galilee from, from the Old Testament is, is that it's a dark place. It gets stomped on by the foreign rulers. It, it gets given away by its own king. It, it's not even wanted by the king that receives it. It's, 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 considered, it's considered nothing special. It, it, there's nothing great about the background of the Galilee and I started to think about us. I thought, started to think about Jesus. And, and I started thinking, oh, what, what's your background? What, what's, what's your upbringing? Some of you come from very dark backgrounds. Where, where darkness is the, is the attribute of your background. Where maybe you were made to feel not very important in your situation. Maybe you were made to feel unwanted in your home. Maybe you were made to feel unvaluable unvaluable. Maybe we're, you were stomped on, either with physical or mental or emotional abuse of some sort. Maybe your, your past is full of, of darkness. Maybe your today is full of darkness, even still. Jesus comes to the people in darkness. Jesus shows up and spends most of his time in the land of darkness. Ministering to those who are in the land of darkness. Bringing healing to those who are in the land of darkness. Setting people free of those in the land of darkness. Uh, bringing hope and truth and, and, and the light of his presence to those living in the land of darkness. And if you are in the land of darkness, you've been in the land of darkness, I want you to know Jesus is here. Jesus is here and, and he has come to bring you out of darkness and into his light. Jesus has come to bring you out of darkness into his light. And, and so he says, come believe in me and be saved. And, and maybe you believe that falsely, that because of your background, Jesus wouldn't care about you. Or because there's so much darkness in your background that, that Jesus wouldn't want someone like you. I say, no way, your background is not the problem at all. Jesus is looking for people with your exact background to take from darkness and to bring into the light to, to show and to prove as a testimony to the nations that Jesus still brings bright, bright light into the greatest darkness, who still rescues people from the dominion of darkness and brings them into the kingdom of Jesus, who sees them rescued, set free, healed, restored, made new, whatever your background. Jesus came for someone just like you. But you need to respond. Jesus spent a lot of time uh, in Capernaum, as we, we talked about, uh, and, and in some of the towns in that area. There's a picture here with some, some of the towns shown here. You've got the town of Capernaum, which is mentioned often. That's kind of in the mm, slight right of, of center along the shore. Uh, further right, you see the town of Bethsaida, 
where Jesus does a lot of miracles and he does a lot of work there. There's another one mentioned, uh, it's not on the map or on the picture here, it's called Chorazin. It's kind of like the dark green blotch just above the, the capital C of Capernaum, uh, just up to the left there. That's, that's going to be Chorazin. Uh, Jesus goes to these towns. He spends a lot of his time. He, sa- he says he does most of his miracles in, in, these, in these towns. And, and he brings them the message of hope. He, bring, he talks to them about uh, being freed from the darkness. He's the light of the world. And whatever their background, that they can be rescued and saved. And yet these people, they hear about Jesus. They see and they delight in his miracles. But they, they don't choose to believe him. And, and this is what Jesus says of these towns where he walked, where he spent time in the land of darkness. And yet the darkness rejected him. It says in Matthew 11, he then proceeded to denounce the towns where most of his miracles were done. Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes long ago. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on that day of judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades, for if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until today. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Jesus steps into the darkness. He brings light. And yet, we still have to decide if we are going to respond to Jesus or not. We have to decide that uh, at some point, we also decide. I need to decide that every day, am I going to respond to Jesus today? Am I going to respond to Jesus today, or am I going to reject him? Now, those verses that I read there are dark. <laughs> they're, they're dark. They're, they're, they're sad. But Jesus keeps talking in that moment. And only four verses later, so maybe three breaths later, four breaths later, he says these words to anybody. He says, come to me. He's just talked about those who have rejected him, but then again, he's throwing this word back out again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All of us are like Galileans in, in one way or another. For those who haven't given their lives to Jesus yet, I'll help you with that in a moment. And I encourage you to respond and give your life to Jesus. But, you know, 11 out of the 12 disciples were Galileans. The only one wasn't. I could let you guess which one that was. Rhymes with Judas Hiscariot. Uh, But the 11 who were Galileans ended up being by far the best of the disciples. The best followers of Jesus. They were in, they were Galileans. They, they had the same background of darkness and yet they chose to respond to Jesus, to believe in him and follow him. And then they went out into the world and they spent the rest of their lives telling people, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter the darkness of your past. 
What matters is you need to, to believe in Jesus, that he is alive and that he can set you free and bring healing and, and restoration and redeem whatever your past is for great goodness and light in, in the future. And they start proclaiming that, that this new era has dawned where Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And now anyone can believe and, and be rescued and saved. As Isaiah writes, the people walking in darkness, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So friends, this draws us to the end of our series entitled The Bible Land and biblical faith, special land, right? Special land with special, special messages. And, and I hope that you, you, you've enjoyed learning about the different regions of the land, but more importantly, I hope you've learned to, to, to how God has called us to live by faith in whatever different situations our lives are currently in. That we might be in different life moments, but we all have the opportunity, wherever we're at, to learn to live by faith, whatever our context. Your life is perfectly suited right now to grow, to grow and thrive in your faith in Jesus. Whether it's a dry season, whether it's a wilderness season, whether it's a safe season, whether you need to trust Him for finances and provision, where you need to, for whatever situation, where you ever need to deal with your background and, and bring healing there, your life is perfectly suited for growing and thriving and living in faith, just as you are right now, as you continue to follow and trust Jesus. One day Jesus is walking along in Galilee, the Galilee. He's walking along the seashore, and, and he says these words to the Gal these Galileans. He says these words to the Galileans, the same words that he has spoken to you and he speaks to you again right now. In your heart, in your spirit, through my words. The same words that he spoke to the Galileans, he speaks to you. He says, follow me. Follow me. And I hope you do. I hope you do. I urge you to. The challenge for today is another learn part of the land. There is only one prophet in the Old Testament born in the Galilee. Uh, who was it? Where was he born? Can you find a picture? Not of the prophet. Of where he was born. And how far away did he grow up from where Jesus did in Nazareth? Just kind of look into that and just see if there's any similarities or any learning there. Only one Galilean becomes a prophet. I want to say more. Uh, I won't. Anyways, I will just, I will pray. I will pray for you. I speak healing over the darkness in your life. I, sp I, I speak light, the light of Jesus to come and invade whatever darknesses are there in your, in your life. May the light of Jesus fill you and flood you so that the darkness is driven out now in the name of Jesus. May healing come to your wounds. May healing come to your heart. May, may healing come to your inmost being from, from 
scars of the past, from open wounds of the past. And may the light of God uh, wash away uh, the wounds of darkness and flood you with life and joy and peace right now in the name of Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus, I would suggest praying something like this. God, I choose this day to follow Jesus. I hear those words and I choose this day to follow Jesus. Forgive me, help me, fill me with your spirit for the rest of my life, whether things go good or whether things are challenging, I choose to follow Jesus. May it be. In Jesus' name, amen.